Hello and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gaiman and Their Dogs. It is day 46 here in the Zen Room, episode 72. My name is Patrick Finn and I am here once again with the bedraggled Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. How are you, Tommy? Uh, well, uh, it's been a week. Yes, I know. We missed you last yeah, it week. It was an interesting week. Last week was cute, though. John's adorable. John Sarek, yes. He was a great guest. The last time I saw John, mm-hmm. he was in skin-tight pleather pants and a very... I don't remember what the time... Actually, I don't remember what anything else looked like. Because okay. then at one point, he was crawling on all fours across the stage. He was in a production of Pippin that I saw. Ah, Okay. Michelle Riley. I was like, by the description of this, I'm like, where was this? Michelle Riley was played Bertha. <laughs> oh, okay. In the production. So largely that's why I went. It was a Merrick, you know. Uh, so, and yeah, that's the last time I saw John. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we'll have to make sure he's on next time when you're here again. Wardrobe approved. Like we have to. Of course. And then if you're having John and Kurt on, too, like you said before. Yes. I know them too. Yes, we may have his other two his other two uh two of his thruple they were having um, having them all on together. I have to tell you that they were they were regulars at six oh eight. Okay. Which is the bar that I used to work at. And John fixed my car. Really? He fixed the front end of my car. It was a Volkswagen. Did he do it himself or did he arrange no, for it? No, he fixed? no no. Well, I can't not, picture John being a mechanic. Oh, no. John's a mechanic. Oh, you, I'm, you're talking about the other John, not John Sarek. Right. John, whose last name I can't remember. Okay. John okay. Sarek? No, no. I, I didn't think no. he was the mechanic type. I could see John <laughs> with his head under a car and his ass in the air and, you know, in a different kind of thing. But no, John John is like a Volkswagen guy. He's like a mechanic guy. Okay. And he's fixed my Volkswagen and it was it was a great, it was a Jetta. It was a, and that wasn't a Jetta. I don't remember what it was. It was blue. Okay. And it had a five-speed and I loved it. And he fixed it and then two weeks later it was crashed outside the bar. Oh, uh. In a drunk driving Jesus. accident. Jesus. Yeah. I'm I was awful. like the third person in a multi-crash. Like, he hit something that moved forward and hit something that moved forward. Oh, and no. That had so much force that it went through, like, four cars. Mm. And my, mine was in the middle of that and was... Jesus. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. What a shame. Yeah. So, yeah. I was... Yeah, he was adorable. He's always adorable. Yes, he I is. I hate people like him. <laughs> Fuck him, man. He well, he's a RuPaul fan like you husband. are. He is, but I'm trying to remember a couple of the things he said that I clutched my pearls at. That. Okay. But no, yeah, any RuPaul fan. Is a friend of yours. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> hell yes. Like, I can't keep the encyclopedic knowledge of who each one of them are. Yes. Because there's been so many of them now. I know. I have a hard time with the current season. Okay. Um, because I'm old and mentally ill. Yes, we know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but anybody who anybody who gets into RuPaul like he does. Because he gets into RuPaul, you could tell. Yes, he does. He, he's he's a fan. Definitely. All right. Definitely. And I'm out of Facebook jail, finally. Again. Well, you're, wait a minute. Hold on. You were in Facebook jail? Yes, for a week. What'd you do? Didn't you listen to my the last podcast episode? I talked ex- about exactly what happened to me yeah. during the Gripe of the Week segment. Oh, no. I wasn't here for Gripe of the Week. Oh, yeah. I talked all about why I got suspended on that, so I'm not going to rehash that. Thank God. But basically, in a nutshell, I, I was uh, suspended for sharing something that was already posted on Facebook. Did the person who posted it initially get... It wasn't a, a person. It was a, a queer magazine, Gaiety. 
I follow Gaiety. Yeah. Was gay, did, did, did Their posts suddenly came down after I was suspended, uh, but they received no other punishment. They were still able to post after that, unlike me. They, oh, so, so okay. I'm sure aggressive. they paid money to be on Facebook. Of course you know? they did. So, yeah. So. That's how they got you to push forward their picture. Yeah, again. and then I got punched for it. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I was entrapped. No, that's, that's good old capitalism. So, so I'm back on Facebook, and now I'm just using it primarily now just to promote the podcast. Okay. I'll comment on other people's posts, but I'm cutting back on my own posts. Because right now, I just feel like I have a target on my back, so fuck it. I, I, I don't need that kind of bullshit. I think that's crazy. I know. The whole situation's crazy. Yeah, no, I think you should just keep getting suspended and keep getting suspended and keep getting suspended. Uh, until they ban me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing wrong? Prove to me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Show I'm me how it's wrong. I'm looking forward to leaving of my vo own volition when there is a better, more viable social media provider that I can go to, other than Facebook. Okay. But until then, I'll be making nominal use of it, except for the podcast. That doesn't in any way punish Facebook. You no, know? Like, I don't care. They, but that does not going to sting to them. They're no, not gonna feel that. but it'll just hopefully lessen the target on my back. Because that's what it feels like right now. That Facebook has a target on your back. Yes. You should go to Twitter. And I say that with my voice going up at the end. Well, I have the, I have the, sure I have the Twitter account for the podcast. I don't have a personal account on Twitter. Yeah. No, uh, Twitter is more angry. It's more like yeah, I've noticed it, that it's more your speed. It's more you you'll do, you'll do well. <laughs> yeah, but I that. actually I don't enjoy going on that for that either anymore. I mean, I go on there like I said to promote the podcast. I don't want to go on there just to rant. That's just I'm getting tired of the negative energy and the flows from all that. You know? Okay. I rather wow. say I rather say that for the podcast. <laughs> uh, lucky me. All right, that's that's why they give me all lube. <laughs> So, otherwise, how was the rest of your week? We understand that you had a musical emergency to attend to. We did, and thank you for going back. Yeah, it was an interesting week. I was in a very interesting position, and it was... <laughs> I, I was asked to... I was tasked with getting a show, a musical. Yes. A small musical. Okay. Fun Home. Yes. That I did not direct through Tech Week. Right. Ready to open. Okay. Okay, so I, I, I worked on the choreography of this show... Two small numbers, one a three-person number, one a small group of eight. And that was the extent of your involvement prior to the tech week, which exactly is the final right. week of rehearsal before the show opens. That's exactly right. Well, okay, so so tech week is where you coordinate the lights and the sound and the set and the props and the costumes. Everything and comes everything, together. Everything all at the same time. And the cast has to adjust to each of those things. And everybody has to adjust to each other. We all have to get together. We all, and we all have to do it on that week. Right. Okay. So the cast, that's why you rehearse the cast for weeks beforehand. Of course. Because now we got to do everything else. And now, but now you're walking the day. show basically blind. Cole, I don't know the show. I don't, the show. I don't know the show. I don't know anything about the show. I know it won a shit ton of Tonys. And I know it's about lesbians. Right. All right. So I, I did read the animated book, the original. And I want to say animated. That's not what it's called. What is it? It's a it's an epic novel. It's a graphic a, novel. A graphic novel. But I did not know the script or any of the music going in. So okay. that was how Tech Week started. It went, and what was interesting, all of the details of the week aside, it was a, it was a, an interesting position to walk into. Right. Yeah. And it was a difficult cast. Okay. Okay, so I know you're looking at me how far am I willing to go. I know, I know. 
I know. Okay. It was. It, it was an. It was a very, very interesting week. That ended. I think. Did the uh, show okay. open successfully? The show opened. It was lit. It ran. It. Uh, everything was maybe wrong, but every like it was ready to. Right. Open. It was ready for an audience to see, and I did nothing with the performances at all. Okay. Okay. Because now there's all these other things to do. So I'm just going to. You're just basically. You just basically there to come in and. Put it all together at the end, what was already established. Exactly. Well, right. this guy had, had it in his head. I'm sure he had it in his head. So he he, he got through the time of, of working with the cast. Right. Okay. So now the cast has to be on their own. Okay. So that he can coordinate all the rest of it. Now, I have to leave the cast on their own because now it's very much show me what's happening. Show me what you do. Show me what's happening. Show yeah. me what's going on. And we'll figure out what's supposed to happen with everything around oh, my God. And we got through it and it was, it, it, the show opened small which was good okay but but I, I, yeah it's a, is it a good production you would say I, I i would say yes i will i will say this it is we are planning to come see it this weekend at the it studio is theater in lindenhurst very well sang okay or sung <laughs> it is very well sang it's very well sung did i say sang you said well sang very well sang okay. i should have added an eg very well sang <laughs> No, they're, they're they're awesome singers. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, yeah, none of none of what happened, none of the of the production is is visible from the stage. I I don't think. Okay, so right, good. That's uh, good Sturm and Drang, Stur Sturm and Drang, Sturm and Drang. Yes, yeah, Sturm and Drang. I Sturm believe and it is. Drang. Yeah, I don't. It, yeah. So uh, it's. I mean, it runs quick. Okay. Yeah. You know, so. they, they can call you Doctor Gibbons from now on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's an interesting idea because what I realized is I always believed that the director's job is to be the audience member that can talk back. Yeah. Okay. So here I am truly an audience member. Yeah. That can talk back. Yeah. And that has to talk back. Oh, definitely. So, you know, everything everything was it was interesting. Good. It was it was interesting because it was it, should it be two different jobs and is that the stage manager's job to okay, run right. that tech week? Yeah. While the director works still with the cast. Yeah. Or or does the director choose? Depending upon their strengths. What's your answer, Twitter? Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Post on Facebook or Twitter where we maintain our accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do that. All right, so now go ahead, first section. We'll now move on to our first segment of the segment. night then. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. Okay, if you insist. And we start with a story that was provided to me by our uh, previous guest, John Steele. John Steele providing the information. Yes. Damn. Can you write uh, uh, Sheila asks questions? (laughs) Well, how about then? John asks a question instead of Sheila asks a question. No, it's not funny. Well, the story is kind of bittersweet, but it's got a happy ending to it. I'm not sure how much you're going to like this story, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Just be prepared to stop. Okay. There's a magazine called Dogster Magazine, and I guess it runs a contest called America's Favorite Pet, I guess in which people who subscribe to the magazine or whatever go in and vote for America's Favorite Pet, and the winner receives $5,000. Nice. Well, right now, the pet running in first place is a dog that was rescued named Pai de Limon, which is lemon pie. 
Oh, how cute. This dog, they found it was in Brazil, and its front paws have been cut off by the cartel that had the dog. Okay. For It was practice for when they torture humans and cut off their fingers or toes. Okay. So they thought they would practice on the dog. Okay, stop. Go ahead. Well, anyway, this, this rescue group down there called Milagros Caninos, they found the dog, took the dog in, hit it for months... Because they were fear, they were fearing reprisals from the drug cartel. But then they decided it was time to let the dog out and lead a normal life. So they let it be known about this dog. You want to see a picture of the dog? Of course I do. Show you what lemon the dog pie. looks like now. That's not lemon pie. That is lemon That's pie. That's lemon there. pie. And as you can see, he has prosthetic devices yeah. now that were provided by the United States. So where does he live? He still lives in Brazil. But I guess right in there. But he's not living with people who cut his parts off anymore? No, he's not living with them anymore. Okay, so what's the what's the filler in there? Well, the thing is, like I said, this dog right now is running in first place. Oh. The winner of the America's Favorite Pet. There you go. Right? That's what, Look at that face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And the thing what they did to that dog. It's yeah. horrible. Awful. Right? So, yeah. So, it's a bittersweet story, but with a generally happy ending so far. So far, yeah. Well, the dog's happy. The dog's... The dog... The dog... I don't... You know, the dog's being treated nicely now. Yeah, exactly. It's being and, treated humanely. And, uh, I don't know. There's... there's they get you've seen dogs with three paws with well, with three yeah, legs we've seen and two that, legs. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't stop them from running. It doesn't stop people from building things for them to run. They on. seem to adapt, but uh, I'm sure it's a lot easier for the dog to run on prosthetics. Than of it is course, on, on once you get Louis would have no part of it. Louis would have no part of a prosthetic anything. That's I can't even put little shoes on Abigail's. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the dog would adapt. The dog, you know, the dog does with what, uh, I don't know. Unless you take smell away from them. Yeah, that's a whole different story. The dog's yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole different story. So, yeah, that's the story of Pai de Limon. All right. Okay, <clears throat> that wasn't so bad. Right. And now we move on to our compendium of canines, our dog doggy dictionary. This time we're up to the letter U. Oh, God. Okay, so underwater. <laughs> underwater Portuguese fishing boat. <laughs> no. Any other guesses? Uh, you. 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 Uh, United Kingdom dog dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I can't think of a you dog. I can't think of a single you dog. This one's called Ultimate. It's called the Ultimate Mastiff. Okay, okay. I'm it's a sorry. hybrid it's the dog. the only you dog that's out there. Uh, excuse me, am I hosting this podcast or are you? Uh, well, You're the man. producer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> See, he should interrupt more. <laughs> but anyway, it's a large muscular hybrid dog. I would imagine it would be. Created from crossing a Neapolitan Mastiff with a dog called a Dog de Bordeaux. Oh, I've seen them. They can live up to 12 years and they stand between 23 to 30 inches tall yeah. and weigh between 150 to 180 pounds. Yeah. Here is a picture of it. He's a mush. See, right? the only objection I would have to owning a dog like that is the drool. Oh, okay. I can't, I can't stand uh, that, that drool. No. That leaves, and that leaves out a bunch of, of breeds like a St. Bernard I could never do. And he's a puppy. Uh, old they, Look at that little yeah, puppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cute. Six weeks from that day, that dog would be able to eat Louie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big fucking dog. Right? Yeah, It's uh, they said it's best suited for experienced, dominant owners. It can be very stubborn and bullheaded, so you need a lot of patience and perseverance, perseverance when training it. But it's not mean. No, they said it's very affectionate, very, gets along with children, it's a loyal dog, gets along with other animals, uh, although there are some that are aggressive, they're very protective towards their family. It also requires a lot of exercise, so you need a big yard for it. 
and it does not like hot, humid weather. Okay, who does? Right, exactly. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The door. drool is, yeah, but that's, I love that, though. I love that whole, yeah. I love it in black. Look at that. He's big Beautiful and mushy. Coat. Right? Yeah, he is. A big, mushy dog. So, yeah, so that's the ultimate mastiff. Yeah. Eat your finger like it was a carrot. <laughs> But so sweet. Yes. We now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. Okay. I only put one birthday on the list. Of oh, course, it's a dead person. Only the one. Of course it is. But you might know who this is. Right. He was born Hyman Arluk in Buffalo, New York, the child of a Jewish cantor. He had a twin brother who died the following day. Is this Joel Gray? No. In his 20s, he performed as a singer and as a piano player in vaudeville. In 1929, he composed his first well-known song, Get Happy. You know, forget your troubles, come on, get happy. He also wrote the music for the songs Let's Fall in Love and Stormy Weather. Stormy Weather. In the 1930s, he married a Gentile woman, which Uh did not go over well with his family. I bet it did not. And then he moved to California, where he then began to work in movie musicals. So this is a very famous, accomplished guy whose work, clearly, I have been uh, working with my whole life. Oh, most definitely. Is this music. I'm going to tell you some of the songs he wrote. He wrote the song Lydia the Tattooed Lady from Groucho Marx. I love it. He teamed with Johnny Mercer and wrote songs like Blues in the Night, Out of This World, That Old Black Magic, Accentuate the Positive, Come Rain or Come Shine, One More for My Baby, and One More for the Road. Like Nobody's Loved You. One More Baby, One More for the Road. Oh my God. In 1954, he teamed with... Bette Midler sang to Johnny Carson on the last show? Yep, that's exactly what she sang. So this guy is like... He also teamed with Ira Gershon in 1954 and wrote the song The Man That Got Away... For the 1954 remake of A Star is Born. And he died of cancer in 1986 at his Manhattan apartment at the age of 81. Do I want to say Johnny Mercer or do I want to say Johnny Mercer? Well, Johnny Mercer was the lyricist. This is the composer we're talking about. I know, okay. But you might know this because he teamed with a guy named Yip Harburg for a while. And they composed songs to this little minor musical. You might know this song. Know who it is? Yes, yeah, I do. But hold on, I can't put his name together. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Oh God, I'm trying to view the credits now. His original name was Hyman Arluk. The composer's name is Harold Arlen. Harold Arlen, forgive me. Shame on you for not knowing I, that. I hang my head. Oh my God, I'm shocked you did not know that. sexual shame, oh. but in theater shame and in any sort of dancing or singing, I forgive me, Harold Arlen. <laughs> oh. Shame on you. Awful. I'm going to send you back to musical remedial school. Every one of those songs is the best song in the show. Like, Yeah, they're all great songs. Every fucking one of them. They're uh, all great songs. Harry, I am so sorry. Uh, shame on you. We'll have a drink when I come up. <laughs> or down, you know, wherever. So to Harold Arlen, we say... Yeah. Yes. Happy birthday, Harold. I can get behind that one. <laughs> 
We now move on to our next segment. Such shame. Well, we have we have two this week for Bring Out Your Dead. One that just happened today. Today she died. Yes, and that would be Raquel Welch. Raquel. Died at the age of 82 after a brief illness. She was born Joe Raquel Tejada in Chicago, Illinois. Her career spanned over 50 years. Could you spell Tejada? T-E-J-A-D-A. The J is pronounced like an H. I understand, which puts it... Squarely in the Spanish sort of yes, she was realm. she was of Spanish descent. Okay, so yeah, and then but she, when she became Tejada. an actress, she changed her name, Joe Raquel Tejada. Joe Raquel, okay, and her career spanned over fifty years, starring in over thirty films. And 50? where was she born? Chicago. Chicago. Okay, so she wasn't like okay. Chicago. She's okay, hometown girl. Go ahead. She's survived by her two children, her son Damon Welch and her daughter Tani Welch. How hot is Damon? I don't know. I don't. He's got to be our age. Uh, I would assume. Uh, she made her film debut in the mid nineteen sixties, and she had breakout roles in the nineteen sixty six film Fantastic Voyage, which is okay. a good sci fi film. Okay. And then, for which she, the, you always see the famous picture of from one million years BC. Oh yeah. Where she's yeah. in the caveman bikini. Yeah. <laughs> and you know why? Because she's Raquel Welch. Yes. She went on to star in lots of films during the seventies, including The Three Musketeers. Okay. For which she earned a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. Which musketeer was she? She wasn't. She was the uh the I guess girlfriend of D'Artagnan, played by Michael York. Okay. She was very clumsy in the movie. She was a good Physical, physical comic guy. actress okay, in the good. movie. Right, good. If, good, one of my favorite films. I Can love I that. confess something right here while we're taking this little pause? Sure. When I think of Raquel Welch, I think of her the same way as like Gina Lola Brigida or Sophia. Well, yeah, she, she was started as a sex symbol. No, you know? no, more their uh, ethnicity and their origins. Like I, I would have guessed Raquel Welch was foreign born. Okay. No, well, she wasn't. She was born here in Chicago. <laughs> yes, Tejada. Tejada. You seem to be stuck on that. Point. I am. Because it's actually because it's coming like really is news to me. But you know why? Because she was such a icon mm-hmm. of that of that type. Yeah, she was. She was a there was they became a she Raquel was the first Welch sex symbol I know of growing up was type. Raquel Welch, and she know? was everywhere because of course. Well, we were we were really young when she was only what in her thirties of. No, she had to be in her 30s then. She was working everywhere. Yeah, she did Broadway. Yeah, yeah she did a lot. And I I had. Zero clearly knowledge of her background. Okay. How'd you like that for a sentence? How would you punctuate that sentence? <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm sorry. Continue. But she, she was, was also known for making the 1968 film with uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore called Bedazzled, in which she played one of the seven sins. Can you guess which one? Uh, lust. Bingo! <laughs> That's an easy one. She also famously played a transsexual woman in the 1970 film Myra Breckenridge. Okay, so I've seen this movie. It's a great camp classic. It is. Mae West is in it. It's a crazy movie. <laughs> She plays basically Rex Reed, because Rex Reed is the man that she was previously, and she transforms into Raquel Welch. Which <laughs> makes you have to suspend belief in all sorts yes. of <laughs> But a camp classic, yeah, that movie. Yeah. Oh, my and God. I, yeah, that Myra Breckenridge. Something about who wrote that story, Myra Breckenridge? I think it was Gore Vidal. I think it was too. Yeah, I think it was Gore Vidal who wrote that. I got, I, I, I swam in that wormhole. 
that rabbit hole. Okay. Uh, swam is wrong. Everything about that was wrong. About what was wrong? Uh, anyway, I had... <laughs> I, I fell down a rabbit hole of Gore Vidal, and this, of course, came up. Okay. It was part of it. Okay. So I watched the movie. Yes. I think I even have the book. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah, a whole yeah. book. I mean, it's from the 60s. Yeah. And it's like, holy fuck. Right? <laughs> it's a crazy book. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a crazy movie. Yeah. Myra. Myra! <laughs> Myra, he's here! Oh, dear. So, to Raquel Welch, we say rest in peace. Oh, Raquel. And earlier this week, there was another death, also a music composer. Oh, another way I can fucking... He's regarded as one of the most important and influential figures of 20th century pop music. Starting in the 1950s, he composed hundreds of pop songs, many in collaboration with lyricist Hal David. They wrote uh, music for Dionne Warwick, Perry Como, Gene Pitney, Dusty Springfield, Tom Jones. Engelbert Humperdinck. Nope. He wrote 73 U.S. Top 40 hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Those that top the uh, Hot 100, the Billboard Hot 100 included This Guy's In Love With You by Herbie Albert. I have the answer. Could you stop for a second? <clears throat> yep. Did you mention Dionne Warwick yet? Yes, I did. Oh, shit. Baccarat. Burt Baccarat is correct. Also, the, the song Raindrops Keep Falling On My Head, They Long To Be Close To You by For The Carpenters. The, the author's theme from the movie Author that was performed by Christopher Cross. Can I tell you that movie? One author. day we're going to have to have just a full out Discussion of that movie? Uh, yeah. Okay. We, we have to have my friend Allison here. Okay. Because you will walk out of the room. Maybe we'll add that as a segment. We'll because, do like a movie spotlight. Oh, okay. We can spend like 10, 15 minutes discussing one particular movie. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll have, we'll, we'll <laughs> Allison and I will watch the movie. Oh, okay. And you can record. <laughs> But we're watching the whole movie, and we're not taking direction from you. There's a there, there's it takes very little to set off that launch sequence between Allison and I. Oh no! It's it's we have, we have alienated parties, let alone people, let alone poor individuals who happen to say, "Oh yeah, let's watch that." Uh, good to know for future reference. I think we should do a whole episode. <laughs> But anyway, back to Burt Bacharach. He has won six, he had won six Grammy Awards, three Academy Awards, and one Emmy Award. Only one Emmy Award? Yeah. Huh. So he was an ego. Not an egot, an ego. Yeah, I bet he could be hard to be with. Right? Yeah. And in 2015, Rolling Stone ranked him and Hal David at number 32 of their list of the 100 greatest songwriters of all time. And in 2012, the duo received the Library of Congress Gershwin Prize for Popular Song, the first time the honor had been given to a songwriting team. Really? Yeah. Where back back and who? Hal David. Hal David. Yep. And for those so of you... So representative of, of an era, of a style, of a... It's... <laughs> of a time. Well, yeah, I'm going to play a song, from, uh Burt Bacharach song for you. It's like 70s smooth jazz. Yeah, they all sound like this. <laughs> Somebody what could always play the same When room. you fall in love, a guy with a pinch of thirst, that's what you get for your trouble. Never fall in love again. That was the lovely Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick, of course. Yes. Yeah, but those songs are just like... Well, then, when I, was, when I was doing research on this, I found a song that I thought this group had written, and then I, then I found out, oh, no, this is a Burt Bacharach, Burt Bacharach song. Bacharach. Listen to this song. Oh. 
This is a baccarat? This is a burp baccarat. Yeah, hold on. You gotta take all the electricity out. Yep. This is the group Naked Eyes. Okay. Theme wise? I can totally see back <laughs> It's the title of the song. But I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, Burt Bacharach wrote that song. Yeah. But he yeah. wrote a very different song. I bet. Oh, I'm sure. I put money well, on. he originally wrote it for Dion Warwick, and then someone else recorded it and made a hit out of it. Oh, uh, really? There was, yeah. There was a... Okay. Yeah, there is another recording. Of it. I, couldn't, I couldn't find it, but there is another recording of it. Interesting, because... I, like like that sort of sappy the lyrics yeah yeah that imagery right is certainly background but I could see it being twice as slow yeah take all the electric instruments out of it yeah oh god yeah <laughs> slow it down add some horns and give me a cello yeah but I thought that was pretty cool and I just that, found that, that out. is pretty cool right so rest in peace Burt Bacharach yeah it's, it's like I wasn't a fan but I love every one of those songs what do you There's mean just oh they're all great songs yeah I wouldn't say I went out and listened to Burt Bacharach or went to a concert or anything but he's a great songwriter I think people go to Burt Bacharach songs oh I'm sure things. they do like, I'm sure they do but yeah. I'm not one of them no <laughs> but there's no denying he's a, one of the greatest songwriters it's it's so weird because like when you say about background, I get this feeling of Egh, yeah, I love every one of those songs. Yeah, they're all good. Raindrops keep falling on my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Great song in uh, what was it? Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Wherever it was, right? It's always a good song. Yeah. Okay. Right, we now move on to our next segment. What one is this? Oh, it's time for today in history. And today on February fifteenth, nineteen eighty. This film was released. Oh, dear. It was directed by William Friedkin and starred Al Pacino, Paul Sorvino, and Karen Allen. Hold on. Go ahead. William Friedkin initially resisted uh, wanting to direct this film that was based on a book until he read about a series of unsolved murders in gay leather bars from 1975 to 77. Stop. Yes. Cruising. Cruising is the name of a movie. Came out today in 1980. Interesting. Now, I don't know if you've... Have you seen the film? I have. Oh, you have seen the film? I have. For those of you who have not seen the film, it is all about this uh, cop, played by Al Pacino. A young... Young Al Pacino. Well, actually, he was 39 years old when he filmed this, I found out. But he doesn't look that old. No, at all. He is assigned to go undercover to track down a serial killer of gay men who appear to be primarily hanging out in the leather club and S&M scene. So he has to basically infiltrate that whole community. And when the movie when the movie was being filmed, there was lots of controversy about it. A lot of the gay community came out not only to protest the filming of the movie, but to disrupt the filming of the movie. I, why? Because they were afraid this movie was going to just stir up anti-gay violence against the community because of what it was portraying. Now, wasn't there, and I'm not, I'm talking... And they, they also thought that the film was going to be like, a stereotype depiction of the gay community that everyone was going to think, oh, that they're going to think all gays are into leather and S&M and all that. Well, that's not what the movie did. The movie put him in that place. Yes. Okay, but that, uh, that it didn't try to tell everybody that this is, you know, this is, Hasidim is not all Jews. Right. Okay, so I my recollection is that it, it was not as exploitive as the critics would have it. 
Well, at the time, I mean, this was the first gay movie that's showing a depiction of a gay bar that looked like an actual gay bar. Ah! That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. From what I've read, I've read different things. One said it was filmed at the Mineshaft and the Eagle's Nest. Okay. Another source I read said they weren't allowed to film in the Mineshaft, but they filmed at another club called the Hellfire Club. Okay. Which they changed to look like the Mineshaft. Okay. So I read two different things in that, but they did film these in leather clubs. And it was inspired by the Mineshaft. The physical... The physical of the club, yeah. of the play, was was yeah. inspired by. They did everything they could. Which to was a pr- which was basically a private gay sex club for people in the leather community and the S and M community. So that's basically what's this, as part of the scene of what he has to infiltrate. In the movie. Right, and God forbid, and some of it you make the dog, movie. I mean, the movie was originally given an X rating, and freaking had to cut like forty minutes out before he finally got an R rating on the film. Well, the fisting scene alone, that Pacino was able to do that with a completely new, you know, unknown actor every time was, was amazing. He was not fisted in the movie. No, 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 no. He, no, he wasn't What are you fisted. talking? There is someone about to get fisted in the movie. You don't see an actual penetration happening. That would have gotten an X rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I heard that it was Pacino. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not bottoming. No, not even doing the fisting. Okay. No, it was not Pacino doing any of that. Okay. No. Definitely not. My mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But what's intriguing about the movie is you don't know if they actually catch the killer and that Pacino's character is at one point or other suspected who may be the killer or a new killer on the scene. Okay. So that was, I I really liked that in the movie. And they pointed out later on when I was researching it, the killer of the first victim in the movie is then killed by the killer that is arrested by Pacino at the end of the movie. Say that again. There's the killer of the first victim of the movie. The killer of the first victim of the movie. Yes. Go ahead. That killer, the actor portraying him, is then killed by another guy who is the guy arrested by Pacino. Okay. So it's like, all right, so there's more, is there more than one killer in this movie? Well, Was that- I count two so far. Yeah, three. and possibly three. Because the one, if he, if that's the logical point, then that means Pacino could be the killer. So it's just Because killers- of that last death at the end of that next door neighbor. It's just killers killing killers. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it looks like. The last guy who did this crime, it's like, okay, yeah, I say you leave those people alone, let them do their things. <laughs> what people? Those people, if, the, if, if, if you're going to shoot people in a circle, like this sounds like, uh, and then I'm going to shoot you, and then you're going to shoot me, and then I'm going to shoot her, and then she's going to shoot they, and then him's going to shoot it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, if, if, let them shoot each other. I'm okay with that. Okay. Is that not what you were talking about? <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Are you sure you saw this movie? I saw I saw the movie. Doesn't sound like it. I, uh, I it doesn't really feel like it. It sounds like you're describing a western. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been in those leather bars. Yes, I have. It is, you know, the Wild West out there. <laughs> And there's same leather, different color. But interestingly, uh, Freakin didn't want Al Pacino for this role. He wanted Richard Gere for it. Oh, of course he did. Richard Gere is prettier. He thought he, he would present... He would have been the bottom and the fisting. Yeah. Well, he, he said that Richard Gere presented a more ambiguous persona uh, that he could have brought to the role. Yeah, that means gay. And supposedly both Robert De Niro and Roy Scheider turned down the role. And I can't picture either one of them Roy playing that role. Roy is completely wrong. Right? And at one point during the process, before Freaking came on board, Steven Spielberg was slated to direct this. Well, it was it was, it was 1980. Steven Spielberg was still new and young and you know, hungry. Yeah, but no, he went on to direct 
direct something else in instead. Yeah, like Jaws or, you know. Well, what's interesting is I saw there are two actors on the movie who became bigger actors later on. One is a guy named James Remar, who Pacino beats the hell out of in one scene in the movie. Uh, okay. He plays Dexter's father in the TV series Dexter. I loved Dexter. That was a good series. Yeah. And also, there's this guy, I think he's in a sex shop, the proprietor of it, is played by Powers Booth. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, Powers Booth is now, in Now, hold this. on, Powers <laughs> Booth, I want to place in those 1980s shoulder pad nighttime soap operas. He played Jim Jones in, the TV, in that TV, like, uh, limited movie series or whatever. Was it a Ryan Murphy? No. He should do Jim Jones. Ryan Murphy. I'm surprised he hasn't yet. Who would you cast as Jim Jones? Jim Jones now? I have no idea. I don't know who I'd cast in that part. It could go a whole bunch of ways. It right? could be Ben Affleck. No. No. I don't picture him. But anyway. What was his name? Powers Booth. And that's the story of Cruising. We highly recommend it. Good yeah. movie to see. It's dark. Oh, it's very dark movie, you know? It's you know definitely... It's it, the movie's supposed to make you uncomfortable, and it does. But there's some. Re there's one scene in the movie which is so bizarre, where Pacino and this other guy are arrested, and they're brought in for interrogation. And of course, they know he's undercover and stuff, but they bring him in anyway as part of the questioning. And all of a sudden, the door opens up in the, in the interrogation room, and you see this big black man in a cowboy hat. And a jockstrap. Oh, dear. And he comes in, and he slaps the other suspect, and he hits Pacino at one point. Who was he? It was a real cop, because, and this is based on a real story, this precinct would use this cop just this way, so that if a suspect contested his interrogation by police, and he came up, well, this big black guy in a cowboy hat and a jockstrap came out at me, they're going to be like... What the fuck are you talking about? We're not going to believe. You're full of shit. That would never happen. So that's why they would use this guy for something like that. But it's never explained in the movie. All of a sudden, he just appears there. <laughs> that's fucked up. But this was from real life. Go figure, right? If, you wanna, if you're looking for fucked up, real life is the place to go. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, and an interesting side story on Probably this. Probably not. There were these series of murders called the Bag Murders of gay men that were occurring in leather bars. Okay. And they were called the Bag Murders because some of the victims' bodies were dismembered and found in bags floating in the river. Very clever. Well, in the film The Exorcist, there's a scene where Regan McNeil is undergoing an arteriogram. And it's this big, loud machine and everything. And okay. she gets this needle to her neck. And there's the... The, the doctor or radiographer, and there's the assistant. The assistant was an actual radiographer named Paul Bateson. Paul Bateson. Good on you, Paul. Well, he was later convicted of the murder of a gay man in one of the from one of the village bars. Bad Paul! And they also suspect he may have been the killer in the bad murders. Now, what I'm saying is that the murderer portrayed in uh, Cruising Yes. I think that was based on a true story. Or What do you think I've been talking about? Inspired by a true story. Anyway. That's what I've been talking about. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God. Where have you fucking been? I don't know. I'm back. Holy shit. It was, it was a true story, right? It was based on a true story. But do we, know, do we know who the killer was? No, the bag murders went unsolved. Really? But they think this Paul, this guy, Paul Bateson, may have been that killer. And but he was never convicted of it. He was only convicted of the one murder, and then he was released after, like, I don't know how many years, and he died in 2012. Do they suspect him of the murders in the leather bars? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I remember that we were talking about the leather bars. Oh, my God. We're going to move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play, gentlemen? What day is it? I'm confused. 
Dave. Yeah, you're not the only one who's confused, apparently. Aren't we supposed to do history before this one? What are you talking about? Aren't we supposed to do today in history before what day is it? We just did today in history. Okay. That the film Cruising was released. Your, oh, it was released today. Yes. What, what was that, 1979? 1980. 1980. Oh, my God. Wow. All right, so now we're doing what today is. <laughs> I happen to know a version of what today is, but oh. I want to hear yours first. Well, today is any act day. Okay, no, this is so different from mine. <laughs> Somehow I knew it would be. Mine is the yes. International... Bottom Appreciation Day. Oh, it is National International Bottom Appreciation Day. And as gay men, I think that we should recognize that <laughs> holiday that is today. And I think we should plan on festivities planned for future years. <laughs> Fe the day after Halloween, the day after Valentine's Day is Inter International Bottom Appreciation Day. Is this a day that you saw somewhere? Well, of course I saw it somewhere. Where did you see this? I don't know. It was on my phone. Because it wasn't on the National Day calendar site, I uh, can tell uh, you that. Well, and if you got to believe people, then you No, it was probably on one of the gay things that come across my screen Obvious. hundreds of times a day. Gaiety, pink news. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Well, if I know it was Bottoms Appreciation bottoms Day. Bottoms Appreciation Day. For five faves, I would have said, name your five favorite bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> so, you know, I think we should plan, like, what decorations do we have? Well, how do we dress up? Are we going to be, like, really casual? Or are we going to, you know, like... Dress is optional. <laughs> <laughs> you know... The guy shaved his legs, douched, you know, went through four fleet enemies, <laughs> you know, and we've got, you know, we got to right? so give you your mother plant once a year, give you bottom. What, what should be the gift to the bottom? Today is International Bottom Appreciation Day, and I want you to know how much I appreciate you, so I'm giving you this double headed dildo. Okay. So that's the way you can enjoy the day with someone else. <laughs> okay. Does that work? Yeah, that made me put too much of a shine on it. But... <laughs> I think it's the perfect gift. Uh, okay. Really, when isn't a double-headed dildo the perfect gift? It works for so many things. Bridal showers. <laughs> Bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs. <laughs> sweet 16s. Quinceañeras. Because, you know, if the quinceañera girl isn't going to use it, then two of her court guys oh, God. are going to be found in, like, <laughs> some lock. Swamp room somewhere. Slop room. Oh my god. Slop rooms are pretty swampy though. Can we move on to any act day now? Anything you want. <laughs> any act day is also known as the world's first computer day. Any oh, you're gonna go back to this thing? We had so much fun now with National Bottoms Day, you're gonna go back and ruin it with anti truck Because if it wasn't for any act, you wouldn't be able to see any of those bottoms when you go on your computer or on your phone. Okay. Because any act stands for the electronic numerical integrator and computer. ENIAC. It was the first programmable electronic general purpose digital computer. Which makes me say ENIAC. And it was revealed today at the University of Pennsylvania back in 1946. Which makes me think of HONYAC. <laughs> which makes me want to sing the song. Of course. But I won't. This computer costs $487,000 to make. Which would be about over $6 million today. And how big was it? It basically... Filled a large room. It was just, if you see pictures of it, it's just, it's humongous. This fills a room. Okay. 
It was, it was designed, primarily used to calculate artillery firing tables for the U.S. Army, but its first test was a study of the feasibility of the use of a thermonuclear weapon. Let's uh, go back. Go back to what? The, the two sentences. I said it was designed and primarily used to calculate artillery firing tables for the Stop. U.S. Army. Yes. Ar artillery firing tables. Yes. What is that? I guess calculating the rates of firing for a different artillery. Counselor, I don't want you to guess. If you don't know the answer, you could just say you don't know. I'm and, assuming. Right. If you answer the question, I'm going to assume you understood it. And I don't want you to guess. <laughs> now. What do you think artillery fighting firing tables are? I don't. I are, are, That it would need a computer that only does higher math? To figure out the size of a room. But it does it a hell of a lot faster than a human computer. I, I understand it, but but is it just an arrangement of numbers? Is it, it artillery? Are we talking about how many bullets we have and where we're going to send them? And we're going to lay that out in a like a table? And we're going to figure it out like they have those tables of the battlefields? Fuck, one was in Pippin. We talked about Pippin twice tonight. Where he puts the... I mean, I don't know what it is. That's why I went back and asked. You can go ahead and laugh at me. Artillery firing table. Go ahead. It's made of formica. Right. Is it four legs or does it have a pedestal in the middle? Holy shit. Folding legs on the on each end? Wish I had a table right now to hit you with. You couldn't lift it. Oh, my God. But anyway, it remained in operation until 1955. Whatever it was. It remained in operation, and so we shouldn't be impressed. Parts of it are on display in various U.S. Me museums. Okay. Such as? The Smithsonian. The Smithsonian Museum of International History. Yes. Or something. Or something. <laughs> the Smithsonian Institute. Institute? Is it? Uh, it's not of art. It's just the Smithsonian Institute. Yes. It's made up of various museums. It should be like arts and sciences. Okay. The Smithsonian Institute of Arts and Sciences. Okay. I'll, I'll let them know. Are you in contact with them? Yeah, oh, constantly. I'd love like a free pass. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Oh, my God. They got everything in this system. Yeah, this system. they do. Anyway, we normally go to turn your head and cough. <clears throat> but there's really no health news to report this week. All right. So we're going to move on and we're going to go. Well, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. All right. Yeah. How are you feeling? I feel all right. Oh, that's good. I'd say for our health segment then. Da, 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 da. No cough necessary. We now move on and take a look into my briefs. Uh, I always feel so bad for that girl. That's too much. I wanted to add a little uh, extra one. It's that entertaining and I enjoy it. I think I'm, I may even like it more, but. <laughs> Now, to me, the first girl is just who it is. Any, well, we usually discuss court, discuss court cases during this segment, but there's really well, nothing coming up in the courts of any major significance to report. Nothing? But I want to report on a law that's being proposed in a state out west of here that's also being considered in other states. In the Republican-controlled Kansas State Legislature, they're now considering a bill that would define male and female in state law and base people's legal gender identities on their anatomy at birth. What the law would say is it would declare that legally sex means biological sex, either male or female, at birth. It says that females have a reproductive system developed to produce ova, while males have one to develop, uh, have one developed to fertilize the ova. Okay. Of course, the supporters of the bill are contending that they're responding to parents and others who are uncomfortable with 
biological men or boys sharing spaces meant for women or women or girls. Okay. And they're trying to deframe, deframe the debate as protecting the rights of biological women. Okay. And that's why they're calling the bill the Women's Bill of Rights. Okay. Other states considering similar laws are New Hampshire, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Texas. Now, of course, Could doctors... you go through that list again? Sure can. I just want to plot it in my head. Take a little breath between each one. New Hampshire. Okay. Oklahoma. Okay. North Dakota. Okay. Tennessee, okay. South Carolina, oh, of course, and Texas. Right. I'm only surprised Florida's not there. Yeah, or Georgia, <laughs> or Louisiana. Give them or... time. Give them time. But doctors say that reproductive anatomy at birth does not always align with strict definitions of sex, and that binary views of sexual identity can miss biological nuances. At birth, external genital anatomy can be ambiguous, sometimes because of differences in sex development or inter sex conditions, which affect about 1% of the population. And that's plenty of people. Yes, it is. So basically, this this legislation is just totally ignoring those people altogether. Yeah, because there's not enough of them, and they're not as important as me thinking it's gross, even though secretly I really want to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Really? That didn't address the issue you just brought up? I kind of got lost. <laughs> that's not my problem. <laughs> I was right there with you. <laughs> so that's the story on Kansas. Yeah. That law. It's ridiculous, right? And then next... It's just like... <sighs> You don't have the right because it makes me uncomfortable. Well, that's what it basically is about. It's yeah. like, well, that's like saying, like, 50 years ago, I don't want black people using the bathroom because they make they me make uncomfortable. They make me uncomfortable, you know? I'm sorry, I don't know what it is. It's just that they make me uncomfortable, and I don't want them there, and yeah. I think I should have that right because uh, I'm white, male, and Christian. Hey, very frustrating and just ridiculous, right? And straight. And straight. Hey. Well, anyway, for our next story, there's this queer researcher named Allison Chapman, who I'm now following on Twitter. I never get used to the word queer. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> anyway, she helped compile a queer legislative tracking spreadsheet of, of laws affecting the community. And as of February 13th this year, 320 anti-queer bills have been proposed by state legislatures, exceeding the 315 put forward in the entirety of 2022. Yeah, 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 they mean it now. 91 of them are gender-affirming care bans. Yep. 39 are sports bans. 44 are don't-say-gay or forced outing bills. 27 are drag bans. And 12 are defining trans people out of the law. In comparison, only 107 pro-queer laws have been proposed up to the current time. And of course, Biden's asking Congress to pass the Equality Act, which would ban discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual discrimination. But with this divided Congress, it's not going to pass. No, no. Sometimes the battle is getting the point spoken by the president. As you will remember from the early 1980s, when was the first time President Reagan mentioned the word AIDS in public? Mm -hmm. And how much heat did he take for the, what was it, four-year delay he took? He didn't say it until almost at the end of his term. Exactly right. So, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> we were talking about the anti-queer legislation. Yeah, being passed it's always or it's, it's getting nastier. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was talking about last week. I was like, you it's know, like, all right, all right, you can keep your jobs, but that's it. And then it's like, all right, okay, okay, you can be married, but that's it. But that's it. 
Yeah. And, okay, okay. In some really extreme cases of starvation in Africa, you can adapt children. Yeah. Okay, but that's it. Don't ask for nothing else. And now it's not even like an LGBTQ plus QA minus, you know, a thing anymore. It's like an anybody who's not one way... Uh, is looped and grouped into this other... I don't know. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. It's just... It's, it's so stupid and it's... There's always going to be the next person to marvel about what's going on in their pants and try to control it. Yeah. It's a shame because it's like, how does it affect you? It doesn't affect you at all. You know? No. It doesn't. I, I just... Uh, Let's move I... on to our next segment. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want something? Nope, just making sure you guys are all right. Yeah, we're doing good, hon. Like a good waitress should. Didn't like the cupcakes. I didn't get a chance to eat the cupcake yet. It was good. So does that mean she can keep it? I'm interested what she does with it. Oh my God, I thought that was like happening in Farmingdale. No, no, no. That's right here. It's time for the week in fascism. Oh my God. And this week takes us to Mississippi. Well, of course it does. Didn't we start, or didn't we end in, I don't know. Well, I read this story, and I thought I was transported back in time to the 1940s or 50s. A white supermajority of the Mississippi House voted to create a separate court system and expanded police force within the city of Jackson, Mississippi, that would be appointed completely by white state officials. If this bill became law, the white chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court would appoint two judges to oversee a new district within the city, one that includes all the city's majority white neighborhoods. The white state attorney general would then appoint four prosecutors, a court clerk, and four public defenders for this new district. And the white state public safety commissioner could then oversee an expanded capital police force run by a white police chief. Of course, these appointments would occur in lieu of judges and prosecutors being elected as they are in every other municipality in the state of Mississippi. Okay. And of course, the city of Jackson, which is the capital, it's 80% black and is home to a higher percentage of black residents than any other major American city. But unfortunately, the legislature is completely controlled by white Republicans who have redrawn the districts over 30 years to ensure they can pass the bill without a single Democratic vote. Every Republican is white, and most Democrats are black. And m many of the House members who represent Jackson said they were never even consulted about the bill, and that they pointed out that the leaders, they never proposed increasing the number of elected judges to increase a backlog of cases, or to increase state funding to help the Jackson Police Department. Instead, they decided to go this route instead. All right, which is pretty much we're going to do this. So, yeah, so they're creating a basically a white district with white law enforcement with white justice. In the middle of the blackest city? In America. In, in America? Yep. It's so like 50 years ago, they were fighting against the law. Now they're using the law to enforce discrimination. That's the diabolicalness of right? it. Right? It really is. It's disgusting. Is diabolicalness a word? I don't know. It is now. It should be, though, right? Yes. <laughs> Clearly understood. Well, maybe it's diabolicism or something like that. Yeah, but I don't know what that means. So you could just be drooling for all I know. But yeah, I read this. I was like, this is like back, we're going back to the 50s, for God's sake, in Mississippi. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Right? So I guess we'll move on to our next segment then. This is Julie Anthony. Oh, no, watch it. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. And I have some good news for you, what? which you may not know about. I doubt it. 
As you may have heard about a couple of weeks ago, the Neil Patrick Harris show, Uncoupled, was canceled by Netflix. I was so sad. Well, I have some good news for you. It's coming back. It's coming back on Showtime. On Showtime. Yes, they're going to at least run the second season. They haven't planned anything beyond that. Okay. But that was some good news, I thought. Yeah, I don't get Showtime. Neither do I. But yeah, NPH has a job, thank God. Yes, I'm very glad. It's a good show, actually. I enjoyed it. So I'm glad it came back. I I was mixed, but I wanted to see more. I was curious. Okay. It's a, you know, demographic we don't really look at too much. But did we look at them too much like we do the younger ones? What do you mean? I don't know. (laughs) Did you notice how I slowed down when I slowed down? Yes, I am. And I'm still lost as to what that means. That's what happens when I let my mouth go first. What did you watch the past week, Tommy? What did I watch? What did I watch? What did I watch? RuPaul. Okay. Okay. And how um, was Ru? Ru's great. She says hi. Um, everybody, RuPaul's great. It's a it's a big fat season. It's like sixteen girls, and it's wow, all, yeah, it's huge. So it's kind of like why only, is it so big? I don't know, but I bet that's not the first time somebody asked Ru that. <laughs> In pretty much that same tone of voice. <laughs> But, yeah, to me, Patrick, it is the most fun escapist. Just, I don't have to think about it. I don't, it's just fun. It's just, I, it still amazes me that it's even on television. Okay. I know, it's been like 15 years. No, not that, no, that culturally, where we're in a place where Mississippi is trying to do all this shit and these things about the bands and the books and the thing. I know. That this still happens or that this happens at all is amazing to me. Yeah. Oh, I agree. So I, I enjoy the shit out of it, and I've always liked drag queens. Not room with drag queens. I like drag queens. Some of the best entertainers around. So did you watch anything else? I must have. I don't think I address TV watching the same way you do. Oh? Yeah. For you, it's the event. Watching <laughs> whatever you're going to watch. Right. We're going to watch this now. Yes. Yeah. To me, it's just sort of... You just flip the channels, and if you see no, something of interest, you yeah. leave it on. And even while I'm while I'm playing with my phone. Okay. It's very much background noise now for while I'm playing on my phone. That's like Stephen. He likes to go on his phone while we're watching something. It's like, why are we watching this if you're on your phone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm a complete, completely addicted to the internet. Okay. That'll explain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched a few things this week. Of course you did. Of course I did. We started watching an older series that actually just started its fourth season this year okay. called You. Oh. Y-O-U. This has been in the news. Yes. There's something gay about this. I, I don't know if it's gay or not. We just finished the first season of it. Uh, it stars Penn Badgley and he plays this manager of a bookstore in the city. Why do I always think Penn Badgley is the one who doesn't talk? No, no. He was on that show um, Gossip Girl or something on Wait, it's not channel. the magic team? Like the two guys. The two guys doing magic. No, that's Penn Gillette. And one of them doesn't talk. Pen- this is Penn Badgley. Penn Gillette is the magician. That's Penn and Teller, the magician. talk. One of them doesn't talk. That's Teller. Teller doesn't, Teller doesn't talk. talk. Pell is the one who talks. Pen Gillette. Big, yes. Pen Gillette talks. He's the bigger guy. Yes. And now that you're telling me that there's this other Pen Gillette? No. There's an actor named Pen Badgley. Badgley. Who stars in this series that we're talking about. Okay. Badgley and Gillette. It's pretty much close. Yeah. Badgley Gillette. Go ahead. But anyway, he plays a bookstore manager in you Manhattan. Said that. Yes, and he becomes obsessed with a girl. Uh-oh. To the point where he becomes a stalker and oh. starts knocking off anybody who gets in the way of the relationship. Pen, pen, pen. <laughs> 
No. And it's actually very good, very Girls entertaining. Like buses. What? Girls are like buses. <laughs> what do you mean they're like buses? There's another one in ten minutes. <laughs> well, this this man. I was going to say they come five minutes apart, but how the hell do I know? Well, as we learn, this man has a past history of this behavior. It's alluded to. We don't okay. find out too much about it. Okay. But uh, we watched the first whole season. That was 10 episodes. It was great. We really enjoyed it. a lot. It. Are they half hour? Uh, about 42 minutes. All right. You know, which means like running time on normal TV That's would be an, an hour. hour. Yeah, with commercials. All right. Well, but really good. Really entertaining. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Hot men? No, not really. No, it's it's mostly been women in the show. So you could just cut that whole segment right there. <laughs> There's no reason to even air that. We also watched an old movie from 1975 that I recorded, because last week I was talking about this documentary we watched called... Hold on. You recorded? Yes. How did you record? Because I go to the channel uh, oh, and wait. it says record this right, movie. Right, right, right. It's that on the TV thing. What's yeah. it called? What's it called? What's the newfangled recording? The newfangled recording devices. I don't know what... Yeah. Yeah, you get... So- yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. God, I'm sorry. It's scary. It, it gets recorded and saved where? On the TV. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So you're just as confused as I am, only you're worse because you didn't even know you're confused. Yes. Anyway, being that this is Black History Month, and last week we watched this documentary about history of black films called Is That Black Enough For You? And one of the films it referenced was a movie I had seen years ago called Cooley High, made 1975. So Stephen and I watched it again the other night. It's a good movie. It's sort of like the... Black American Graffiti. It takes place in Chicago in 1964. Okay. And it's about these, this group of four friends and what happens to them over this year's time, I guess, in school. Four black friends? Yep. All guys? Yep. Black neighborhood? Yep. Black school? Yep. Garrett Morris is in the movie. He plays a teacher in the movie. Okay. Yeah, it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. I definitely Uplifting re- Great that. soundtrack. Oh, my God. So many great, like, 60s songs from that era okay. that they play throughout the movie. It's an excellent soundtrack. And it's a good movie. Kind of a sad ending, but still a good movie. He had to die. Who? You knew he was going to die once you saw him. Who? The guy who died. You know, that made it sad. <laughs> And then I watched, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm assuming you did not watch the Super Bowl. No, what? I heard it was on. And I will say, I was coming home at right around 5 6 o'clock. Yeah. Huh? Nobody on the roads. I'm sure. Nobody. I believe Stephen went to the supermarket during that time to go shopping because it would be empty. It, and empty it was, I Yes, bet. it was. Yeah, yes, it okay. was. I love it. But afterwards, I watched, because there was so much criticism, Rihanna's performance at the Super Bowl. Okay. How was it? I watched it. She performed. There was all these platforms suspended in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these dancers dressed in white. They look like sperm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's wearing this red, red. outfit yeah. with like this red jacket that looked like oversized jacket. She looked great. And she was pregnant. I that know. was like a big reveal that she was pregnant. Yeah, the show. It's important to let the world know it's a Super Bowl. So I watch it, and she did a medley of her songs. She's not really a dancer. She's always been just a singer. She's okay. not really a dancer. I so don't she know did, from but she's pregnant, so she wasn't going to do a lot of dancing anyway. Bitch, I saw a whole bunch of pregnant women dancing, way pregnant more than she is. <laughs> Fucking Catherine Zeta Jones in Chicago, the movie is on film. Yeah, but I'm sure they weren't dancing on a platform suspended high in the sky. Oh, please. <laughs> You think the platforms are affected? She was in the darkness. If you, she could see nothing. Well, she had no idea. Anyway, I watched it. She did a medley of her songs. Yeah, it was great. It was not like a song. Was not a big glitzy show like some of them been in the past. Oh, it was pretty mild and stuff. Okay. Any titty? No. No titty. Nothing. 
No ass. But I read all this criticism online in the news afterwards about her performance and how she looked. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, uh, what are you surprised about? What was there to criticize? I didn't see what anything there to criticize. Honey, you have been alive in this world long enough to not have to answer this question no more. Well, this is like last week we talked about the Grammys and Sam Smith and Kim Petras' performance on the song Unholy. Okay. And they were saying, oh, it's satanic, it's satanic. It's like, it's not that they would say. Why? Because he had devil horns in his hat and they all wore red? Big fucking deal. Yeah, but the lights were red, too. Oh, my God, the red lights. Jesus Christ. Well, that's what happens. But this was like the same kind of shit that they were pulling on reality. And it's like, shut up. And they did to Beyonce and whoever and whatever and whoever and Janet Jackson with her titty. It's it's just, it's enough. It's just enough. Stop looking for reasons to criticize where there are none, you know? Well, people don't like it. Obviously not. You're yeah, allowed Christ. to say so. Yeah. They're just not allowed to control whether or not I get to see it. But you I don't you don't have to like it, I don't care. I like to see it next to me open, I can put my coat. On that note, we're gonna move on to our next segment. God, Stupid. Yes, it is time for stupid people. Stupid people. And for once, swing a cat. I know, right? But for for once, I have two of them. They neither one of them involve politicians at all. The I, first that's one's the low hanging fruit. I know, it is. It is the low hanging fruit. But the first one is a lawyer in Brazil. It seems he took his mother to go get an MRI done. Okay, that's nice of him. And. He was told when he goes into the room with her, make sure you have no metallic objects. I heard about this. Well, he kept a gun in his waistband. Uh, and so the machine went on. So stupid. Pulled a weapon from the waistband and caused the weapon to be fired, shooting him. Yeah. He died several days later. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> MRI, man. They suck the cavities out your tooth. Yeah. I mean, come on. What the hell's wrong with people? Why? So, if the magnet sucked the gun off this guy's leg through his pants. Yeah. And probably ripped his pants off of him. Who knows? However. Because the magnet got out from behind the pants and onto... But then it managed to pull the trigger of the gun. How did that happen? Don't know. That's my question. Don't know. Okay. But you can't get much more stupid than that. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the doctor, he has no motive other than to make sure that you don't shoot yourself because you're too stupid to not take your fucking gun off of you when you're in an MRI room. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is maybe the gun was illegal, so he didn't want to take it out. Wasn't he a cop? He was a, he was a lawyer. lawyer. He was a lawyer. And the hospital don't care about your illegal gun. <laughs> not. They got bigger things, like idiots who don't listen to us and get shot by <laughs> guns that they had on there that the MRA sucked out and shot them with. <laughs> exactly. If you wrote it, you wouldn't believe it. No, they wouldn't. They would not. Well, you couldn't make this shit up. But for now, we're going to move on to our next segment. Okay. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings, these are a few of my favorite things. Yes, they are. It's time for five faves. Just relaxes me. <laughs> Take a deep breath. And today for five faves, in honor of Black History Month, we were asked to name our five favorite African-American singers not named Ella or Audra. Okay, now is this men or women? No, it's not going to be men or women, yes. Five favorite African Americans not named Ella or Audra. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
that seems unfairly precisely aimed. Because I know they'd be the f- first two on your list. And that's not good. Okay, why? They're in a pantheon of godlike singers. They don't have to be on this list. Okay, okay. Nina Simone. Nina Simone is on my list. Okay. Love Nina Simone. Nina Simone. Would, you like, would you like to hear little Nina Simone? Always. Me, leave me, let me be lonely. You won't believe me, but I love you only. I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else. You That's a little bit of Nina. A very little bit of Nina. Yeah. Yeah, I love Nina. Great singer. Awesome. Right, also that 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 the depth, uh, her tone is so round and so deep. And have you ever seen a performance of uh, Mississippi Goddamn? No. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, link me. It's on YouTube. Okay, her playing piano and singing it. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, okay, it really is. So being that we both have her on our list, who's number two on your list? Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. Oh I love my Gladys God. Knight. I love Gladys Knight. I do. Nothing wrong with Gladys. I'm not ashamed. Let me see if I have any Gladys on here. You gotta have some Gladys for fuck's sake. Yes, I do. Of course you do. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Jesus. <laughs> she don't give a shit about the writing either. She's just going to sing. Usually I hate that, but but I love her. Mm-hmm. Good choice. I'm Good go choice. Gladys, I'm staying now. Okay. My number two choice, Nat King Cole. Oh. I grew up with his music as a kid. My well, parents loved Nat King yeah, Cole. Yeah, yeah. And he just has such a beautiful, smooth, silky... And coming out of the... Baritone. It's just... Uh, Coming out of the single horn of the Victrola when you wound it just right. <laughs> Fuck you. But here he is singing a Harold Arlen oh, song. Oh, Harry. Oh, God forgive me, Harry. It is only oh. a paper moon hanging over the cardboard sea. But it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me. <laughs> it is only a canvas sky sailing oh. over a muslin tree. But it wouldn't be How can you not love that voice? It's just, oh my God, just smooth as silk. Yeah. It really is. Even the way he connects one line to the next. Like, he doesn't let go of the line until the next one begins. Yeah. Beautiful. One of my favorite songs of him is uh, I Wish You Love. I Wish You Love. Yep, the one that Betty Davis uh, sang later on in some well, recording. Yeah. But he does a beautiful job on that, too. And, of course, Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. <laughs> Mona Lisa. Men adore you. Men have called you. Who's next on your list? Who's number three? Three. Uh, African-American singers who I like. I gotta go with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Whitney Houston. Whitney! I don't know. If I have any Whitney on here, I'm going to have to look. It is unheard of. And seriously, a a serious violation against the gay code Mm -hmm. to not have Whitney Houston. I have Whitney Houston. But but it's a Christmas song. (laughs) So it's going to have to do. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. 
Stop. Stop. Let it stop. Stop this. This is this is awful. No, Whitney Houston and shame on you. Shame. You could be walking through the streets naked with a scary woman clanging a bell and saying the word shame. 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 Oh my god, too funny. From here to the next Roman Catholic Church. Next on my list is a singer I've mentioned before, but I keep coming back to her because I just love her voice. And she was only a singer for a brief time, and then she became uh, better known as an actress. She was better known for being on uh, Little House on the Prairie. Okay. Her name was Ketty Lester. Okay. She had her one hit song that she had was a song called Love Letters. But I have this other song that she did, which I just absolutely love. Okay. Called Once Upon a Time. I just love the timber of her voice. It just gets to me. It really does. Beautiful. Right? Yeah. But unfortunately, she never became a big singer, so she gave up the singing career and pursued acting instead. How'd she do? Well, instead, she got a role on Little House on the Prairie, so oh. I'd say she did pretty well for herself. Yeah, for a black woman on Little House on the Prairie? Right. There weren't too many of those, were yeah, there? I'm sure there weren't. No, I'm thinking. I never watched the show, me so either. it's too wholesome for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That out of growing up, the whole sort of Disney brand was sort of too wholesome. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That was more Looney Tunes kind of guy. For sure. So who's number four on your list? Um, I'm trying to think. Tony Bennett wasn't black. I'm trying to think of a guy. Okay. You know, just to even things out. Okay. And I want to say Michael Jackson, but I'm afraid of getting booed and booed <laughs> and, and hissed at. But I'm going to say it anyway. You're going to go with Michael I'm Jackson? Go Michael. I'm Michael. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I th- I'm pretty sure I have some Michael Jackson music on here somewhere. Yeah, that's assumed. Is it preloaded on like computers throughout the world? Yes, I do. How about this one? Nothing wrong with her, and then we went home, and she's like, "Bitch, this is your baby." And I'm like, I don't know, I don't think so. I don't know. And then we up monsters in the movie theater doing a dance in some alley somewhere with a cool red jacket. Oh man, good song, good singer, despite his history. <laughs> this is, I think, going to forever be the example of: uh, Do you judge an artist by his personal life, by his personal? Well, that's the always a problem with like like the uh, classical composer Richard Wagner. He wrote these great Germanic and German he, operas. The Nazi guy, but he was an anti-huge anti-Semite. Right, right. Well, but everybody, Henry Ford was an anti-Semite. I mean, anti-Semites, please, still. I know. We're still dealing with it today, you know? Um, it's like, but where do you draw the line between the artist what, and the person? Exactly, that's exactly right. And I, I, Michael makes it 
tough. Not only is the music so good, but it's so invocative of an era, of yeah. a time. Jesus. It's such... It's... Fuck you, Michael, doing this to us, making us not be able to just sit back and enjoy the... Anyway, I'm going to go on to my number four. We're only up to four? Yep. And I'm going with Ms. Macy Gray. I like Macy Oh, my Gray. God. That raspy voice of hers. I like her. I can't get enough of it. Play it. about that last eight bars though no beauty the world beauty the world beauty the world beauty there's the world. so much beauty in the world yeah eight Why? times i gotta hear it <laughs> is that right, a problem right on here so much beauty in the world there's beauty in the world so much beauty in the world i mean the voice is phenomenal the voice is great song the, the lyric writing is questionable at best. so who's number five on your list uh, wait, did, wait, wait who did you well you had you gave me gladys knight whitney houston nina simone who else did you just michael say? jackson michael jackson and now I'm now saying, you're at number five and i'm saying anita baker anita baker oh yeah anita baker oh i went to see her concert more than once she held my hand she thanked me i almost wet my pants i don't know if i have anything of hers hold on you who has obscure music for Yes, and I have no Anita Baker. That's that is I apologize. That that is a serious crash and burn right there. <laughs> serious. Oh. Can't have everything. Shame. I can't even look at you. <laughs> Well, for my last one, I do have a last one. Nobody cares. But I have an honorable mention also. Of course you do, because why not? No one need a baker, but yeah, you gotta go ahead. <laughs> my honorable mention, it's not really so much for his singing, but more for his songwriting and okay, production, yeah, yeah, yeah. is Stevie Wonder. Okay. Stevie Wonder, I just... He's a good one. Brilliant songwriter, He's a good one. I think. But for my fifth and final choice, I had to go with Marvin Gaye. Oh, of course you did. I had to go with him. Of course you did. Of course I did. Patrick Gaye, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too yeah. many of you die. Great, oh my god. I think one of the best singers of the 20th century. I, 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 Great singer, I'd great songwriter. Uh, I love him. What? I'd spend some time defending that. Right? He was just, he was amazing. You know, Cut down too soon in life. Sort of straight black male singer in the 20th century. You know, he was killed by his father, right? I do know that. Okay. Wasn't sure if you knew that or not. Yeah, I do know that. So I think that's all of our choices then, right? I'm so disappointed. By what? Oh, because I don't have Whitney and Anita Baker. Well, you didn't have Whitney? I didn't have Whitney. Well, I, ha I had the Christmas songs by Whitney. Oh, yeah. And you didn't want me to yeah, play that. You didn't have Whitney or Anita Baker. God. So sorry. I, like, if I don't report you, 
<laughs> Either of the gay men who listen to us, one of them is going to feel obligated to report you. I'll have no pro- problem defending my license to practice homosexuality. I'm going to... Oh. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn Yes, it's time for the grumpy old game and gripe of the week. All right, I had two when I came in. All right. And I now knew- I have five. Okay, well, let's go through them. You don't seem to know where to begin. All right, we're going to take the big one, uh, the elephant in the room. Okay. You're uh, a non-binary pronoun person. Okay. I've experienced a bit of this in the last week, okay. let's just say. Maybe 10 days. Okay. This this involves an encounter with a non-binary person or yes. persons? Okay. Yes. And I am nothing if not completely supportive. Okay. Okay. As you are? Yes, definitely. As anybody who lived our experience back in the day in the 80s would be. Uh, back in the 80s when we were being militant and we were demanding things from the general public, what we were demanding was things like uh, the right to a job, the right to have a place to live, and uh, don't kill us. Yeah. Okay. Now with the pronouns, okay. which I support, but I'm finding it difficult to participate in. Okay. Because I find it impossible to remember from person to person. And most people are very nice about that. Some of them laugh, ha, don't worry about it. We'll get, you know, it takes time. Give me some time. Because what you're asking me to do is, not even asking me, what you're expecting of me is to, first of all, if I miss, if I, if I mispronoun you. Right. In the initial meeting, you're going to tell me. And, you know, it's not always a polite thing. You are asking me to change my behavior. I was asking for people to not kill me. Okay. Okay. So I find it a bigger ask this time around. Okay. And I find that the way some people are being demanding and not being gracious and not being, okay, I understand it's a complete, it's a linguistic change. It's something that you're not even aware of. It's 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 that now I have to concentrate on every word I say to each person all of the time. If you if you do it, if you take a guess and do it wrong, are you going to offend somebody? And if people were okay with that and saying, all right, you're trying and whatever that would be fine but i i was like assaulted with that this week okay yeah okay. I, you know to to being referred to as the the cis white man which i am a cis white man okay but it should have become a pejorative term do i not you know exist as a does the cis white man not not deserve the same sort of consideration. And they conveniently that the, leave out that you're a cis white gay man. Yeah, but then, you know, when it's convenient, I'm gay. When it's not convenient, I'm just a cis, a middle-aged cis white man. Right. I agree. Everyone deserves their modicum of respect. And if you want to be addressed a certain way, of course, we're going to address you a certain way. I think all we binary people are asking is that non-binary people just show a little more patience in dealing with binary people when it comes to the use of of pronouns. This is what I'm saying. Personally, I try to use, because it's something that is really common in language, but I would refer to people as they or then. Even if I'm talking about a single person, it was just a common use of language. Not only I do, other people do that as well. That when they're talking very casually, you know, they'll refer to a single person or whatever as they or them. I find it it's just easier to refer to everybody as they or them. I prefer that and it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, you know what? I get it. 
Yes, we understand. You want to respect it. I was there. I understand. But it's not, like I said, and also, it's not always evident to us binary people that you are non-binary. If you present really feminine, really masculine, even partially feminine, if you present, I'm going to use the language that I have been taught and that I use to communicate with people for the past 55 years. I'm going to use that language because uh, that's the one I know. Now, if you're insisting that I change my language or else be accused of disrespect, I need you to take a second, I need you to back up, and I need you to give me time to understand what's happening here. I get it because I was one of those back in the 80s with you and with Steven and with uh, how many other dead people. So I get it. You need to be gracious. We're just asking for a little more patience. That's all. A little more patience and understanding. Fuck it up. This is a whole new thing for many people, you know? And just like being, you know, accepting gay people into the family was a whole new thing back in the day. And just like all, you know, all of that is a brand new thing. You know, Jeremy bringing home the black girl, you know, like all of that was the whole new thing. And and this is the whole new thing. And, and But the difference is they are expecting me to make a behavior change, to change like what I innately know how to do. Whereas, like I said, all we were saying and all, you know, Jeremy and his girlfriend were saying was, just don't kill us. Yeah. Just let us be and don't kill us. And that that wasn't... If it was expecting a, 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 a behavior change in somebody, Jeremy and the black girl were too far gone already. They were just goners from the beginning. It was, it was okay. just going to happen. I don't know. I, that's it's just it's it's you know, bitch. I'm an ally, and you could push an ally. Well, that's the thing. I, you could what, shove what, an what ally. I don't like see developing is this antagonistic attitude against cis white gay men. We are not your enemies. We're on your side. The problem is, and we have lots we to get, learn yet too. You know, the older we get, the more dis, uh, indistinguishable we become from. Regular straight cis white cis white straight man, because uh, you look a little more like a lesbian than I do, but like we just look like <laughs> regular sort of white middle aged white guys, and there's no reason to assume we're gay, except for you because you look like a lesbian. But <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's been a long time since somebody since somebody leaned out a car window and threw something at me and called me a faggot and told me to go die. It was a long. It's been a long time. Right? <laughs> and who thought you would miss it? But it happened a lot. A lot, a lot. So, I don't know. Don't fuck with your allies. You're going to need them. And if they're old and doddery and ridiculous, accept that as who they are, the same way you are asking to be accepted for who you are. Give me a donut. So, what other gripes did you have this week? No, that's it. I'm done. That's it? That was it for your gripe? I'm exhausted. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, got, I have two gripes this week. One is pharmaceutical ads. I am sick the death of fucking seeing them. Like every other commercial for a TV show is a pharmaceutical ad. Yeah. And I'm just sick to death of them. Plus, they're all the same. They show all these people doing all these fun activities. What you describe side effects may include death. I'm just sick of these fucking commercials. Sweaty Island. I don't think these medications are all prescription medications to begin with. They shouldn't be advertised on TV. That's right. But of course, the pharmaceutical ad, the pharmaceutical industry has our country in its grips because of its fucking money. So I was allowed to post these fucking ads. You know why, Patrick? It just occurred to me. What? Drugs work. Well, yeah, drugs do work, but... They work. They do as advertised. But are you going to, like, 
What are you going to do? Call up CVS. Hey, I need this drug. I just saw it advertised on TV. Well, you need a prescription. Then you call your doctor. Hey, I just saw this drug on TV. I think that might be right for me. Well, no, it, because it has these side effects. Yeah, I know about them. I want this drug anyway. It's like, don't take drug advice from a fucking TV ad. Well, that's why you can't get you know? without a prescription. You got to go to the doctor. And believe me that the doctor has already been visited by representatives of... From the pharmaceutical industry. Exactly. And they have. They may have a free sample for you if you want to try yeah. it. Yeah. I know. Okay, but here's a pen with the logo anyway. Okay, so there's that. The doctor has to prescribe it at which point it becomes his responsibility. Once he's addressed by the patient, what do you think of me taking this drug? It's up to him to decide. And yeah. then it's his responsibility. If it's the right drug, then he'll prescribe it. If not, he won't. But I get your point because they are annoying in their sameness. Yeah. It's the same thing over, over, and over, over again. And, over again. and it's words that are weird that we don't know because you make them up in a boardroom somewhere in Denver. And they're just so ridiculous. We're saying, oh, this drug will do wonders for you. Oh, except for these side effects. Right. <laughs> they have to do that. That's part of the reason why I know, they that's are why it's allowed to, to do it. Honest. Exactly. But it doesn't make it any better. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't. But who would you rather see fill that airtime? Anyone or else. Car dealers? Anyone else <laughs> besides this, you know? It has been an onslaught, and it it's has just, left it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just non-stop, it seems. Yeah. Every yeah. show... Every commercial break, there's at least one to two drug ads. And even they look... It's like, is there no wonder that we have an epidemic of pharmaceutical yeah. drug addiction in this country? And I, I go back to my defense of of, of it. It's just drugs work. No, I know. <laughs> like, you need one right now. <laughs> Actually, you may need two. Yeah, right? There's a blood pressure thing I'm afraid of, and then a fucking anxiety thing that we really need to do something about. <laughs> My next gripe is something I should have brought up last week when we were discussing the Grammys, but I only found out about it this week, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. Dave Chappelle got a Grammy award for his latest comedy special, The Closer. That I yeah, and I know year. you don't. You're not a big fan of Dave Chappelle. No, because of his anti-trans quote-unquote humor. Okay. And the fact that the Grammys awarded him, rewarded him for that particular special, just fucking disgusted me. The Grammys. Yeah. Disgusted you. Yeah. Okay. When I read about that. Because of Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Okay. It's like you, you're you rewarding his behavior and what he said. Is it That's what you're doing. Is it possible that they don't think it's as offensive as you think it is? The problem is, I don't know how they could not find it offensive, because it really is offensive. But I'm asking you whether or not it was possible, within the realm of possibilities at least, that they thought differently. Well, obviously, since they gave him the Grammy well, Award. it's not quite so obvious because they had a choice. Have you watched Have you watched that special, The Closer? No, I don't watch I, much. Okay. Like I said, I watched it just to see what he was going to say. And he lived up to expectations, to say the least. And that's, that's fine. Because he spent most of his show talking about trans people. Okay. And it just disgusts me that the Grammys rewarded that with, a, with an award. It really... Just burns my butt. Well, it's 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 possible that they either disagree with you, or he makes them enough money that he needs to be rewarded somehow, or they just thought it was the best of the category this year, or they're all a bunch of anti-trans crazy people, which is possible. Yeah, but from what I saw, hold on, was the Grammys the last big thing that happened? Yeah. Aside from Rihanna. Aside from the Super Bowl and the, yeah, and Rihanna. The Grammys. Yeah. There was a lot of gay involved in that Grammys from what I saw. I, I didn't watch the Grammys. All I watched was the Sam Smith, Kim Petras performance. Okay. Like Harry Styles was really gay. Yeah, I know. His entrance was really gay. Yeah, that his red outfits. was really gay. And those outfits just 
don't, I Whatever, just, he's popular. I know, I know. Do what they all did. There's the same picture but people of are, Jagger. Someone like comparing, someone now is comparing him to Bowie. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. Because no. Bowie wore the <laughs> same outfit. Only Bowie's, Bowie's outfit was a different pattern, but it was the same sort of tri, uh, diamond shape. Bowie that, pulled it off. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Harry, not so much. Stop it. Just stop it. Anybody, uh, you're making me grumpy. Err, <laughs> uh, you mean. Err, uh, you're making me err. Uh, well, then you'll be less grumpy because you'll now know that this is the end of this week's episode. Sometimes it's just good stuff. <laughs> of course, you can catch all our episodes plus our bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com And you can follow us on our daily posts on Twitter and on Fuckbook. Do you remember <laughs> the cranberry cranberry juice ad with the two guys, the one older guy and the one younger, kind of dumb but really hot? Yes. I'm just thinking about that. Okay. The cranberry <laughs> Any juice particular guy. reason why? Well, the really dumb sort of younger hot one was hot. And, I, oh, you know what it was? Is the way you delivered www. That, uh, that made me think of... Of that head? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, because they didn't talk like that. Oh, my... No, they did not. No, they did not. But he was so hot. That's so stupid. Well, he was very stupid, He yes. was so stupid. <laughs> you didn't think he was hot? No, I never thought of him as hot. Just, oh, my God! Just stupid. You have no idea. Stupid idea. turns me off. Oh, see, that's a problem. <laughs> well, that's among your problems. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dr. Gibbons. I'm here to help <laughs> I just don't want to look at anything that's like excreting pus. You know what I mean? Like, before you call me doctor, I have a few rules. <laughs> that's one of them. No pus. I don't want to look at your private parts. Don't say, what does this look like? And show me your asshole. I don't want to see it. So tell me, what are your plans for the upcoming week and weekends? What could it possibly be? Well, I do nothing and then I work. Okay, you'll be working at the Manus Studio Theater this Manus weekend? Studio Theater on South Wellington Road, Wellington? No, no, Wellwood, Wellwood, Wellwood Avenue, Wellwood, sorry. Uh, in Lindenhurst. In Lindenhurst, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we'll see you there on Saturday to see the production of Fun Home. Thanks for the warning. My pleasure. Unless I see you first. I think I think you'll, you know, it's a show worth seeing. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. It's an interesting little show. No, I know. I'm, I'm aware of what the show's about and everything. Yeah, so I have the score. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I look forward to seeing you again on another Saturday night, which is theoretically my night off from you. But I uh, get to see you. Yeah, so yay. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yay. And on that note, we're going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Did Steven say bye, bitches, here? Yes, he last did. Last week? Yes, he did. Sorry. Somebody had to say it. No, I think that the hey, bitches, and the bye, bitches is, uh... That's only yours? It's proprietary. I'll let Steven know that from now on. Bye, bitches! Chuck, 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 and a couple of la-dee-dahs. That's how the crickets speak all day in the merry old land of Mars. We can help at twelve and start to work at one. Take an hour for lunch and then add to it done. Jolly good fun! Ha, ha, ha! Ho